Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the IME Podcast. My name is Dominic Kilworth, athlete, personal trainer, business owner, and personal development enthusiast. I'm joined alongside with Jackson Tippett, who is also a personal trainer, influencer, and fitness model. Together, we are your host of this podcast, where with each episode, we'll bring you an inspiring message or person to help you live your best life. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Now, let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 134 of the I Am Me podcast. And in today's episode, I'm super excited because backed by popular demand from a few of our listeners, quite a few of our listeners, actually, um, I've got Tony, the CTO of the Micro Pets Project. But, you know, I was very lucky enough to uh, win a little giveaway where I was able to spend an hour with the great man himself and be able to talk about anything that we wanted to talk about. And so in the sort of week leading up to the call, had a bit of back and forth. And I think the best thing for me um, personally was to be able to have a discussion in regards to how this man operates and put it in a public forum for you guys to listen to, you know, based on the positive feedback that we had, because, um, you know, for me, it, it's always been the secret of living is giving, and I don't want to be selfish and just have that time myself with, with Tony. Um, and I want to be able to put it back and forward towards you guys. So super excited to have Tony on again today, mate. How are you? Great, Dom. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be here with you. You're a great guy, and I've enjoyed our conversations very much over the past several months here as we've gotten to know each other even closer. I'm very excited to talk to your audience as well. Really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Thank you, mate. Thank you very much. And I know that the audience is very excited to have you speak today. And, you know, we obviously had a bit of a chat about, you know, how should, what should we talk about? What's something that we can really give some value? And I think, you know, as Tony said, we've been talking now for um, the best couple of months getting to work on more of a personal basis which has really been really insightful and he's provided a lot of information for me and not only in my you know crypto portfolio and investment strategies etc or things like that things that he's doing and things that i can look at implementing but also just leadership personal development time uh, lifestyle things that you know people management etc you know managing such a huge crypto um company and project so i've been getting a lot of insights and i'm like tony let's just put this on a podcast mate like let's put this forward and, and use that to be able to give value because as well i'll be able to listen over to it because there's a lot of stuff that we'll talk about and that i'd like to always hear again and again and again that this great man has a lot of wisdom about and i thought well better else than to be able to share it with all you guys so i'm super excited mate to um to cover these topics so my dom and, and for your listeners i want to point out something as well you've said a lot of nice things about me But the reason I'm here and the reason why I've given this time also, not just because you won the 2D NFT contest, but it's because you're a great guy and I respect the hustle. And that's all I see from you is hustle, grind, enthusiasm, passion for what you do. You're a nonstop guy. And that's exactly who I like to work with. And that's exactly who I identify with. So I'm more than happy to be here with you today. And it's my pleasure to talk to a great guy like yourself as well, a fellow hustler. And I look forward to this conversation, man. (laughs) <laughs> no thank you and you you hit the nail on the head hustle respects hustle and definitely hustle identifies hustle so you know i think if there was one thing just to lead into um 
you know, because the crypto space or any kind of, you know, space in general, if you have a real passion or, you know, you have an extreme interest in any kind of field that's, you know, quite new to you, like, yes, I've been personally around crypto for a while, but I've only just been a quiet investor, you know, but I actually really decided that I wanted to have a bit more of a hands-on approach. How can I contribute more? How can I be more part of the community, get to know things, get to know people, et cetera, getting to know, because I'm always looking for new people within different fields that I haven't had too much exposure in before to learn from to learn business strategies investment strategies to learn you know also just lifestyle strategies how they operate operation strategies so one thing that i will say to listeners now is you know for me i just started to create a lot of um, personal connections with people in the space she kept showing up helping out where i can active in the community so visit and start asking questions and don't be afraid to also ask the questions you know i've asked some heaps of questions to tony and he's giving me the time of the day which just showcases how amazing himself and and the project is but if you have some interest, you know, sometimes you just got to take the take the slight risk, get out of your comfort zone and ask a question and see, you know, if someone would be able to take you on as a mentor or be able to help you provide you some advice with your current situation. So, yeah, just want to, again, thank you for that, mate, because, uh, you know, not many people will let you do that, especially in the crypto world. It's very private. So for you to be able to do that for me, for me mate, and now the audience, thank you heaps. So, um, look, mate, with today's topic, I think, like, for me personally, with a lot of conversation with you, yeah. I think it's really important that we we did touch on it a little bit, but the background, I think if you want to spend a couple of minutes sort of sharing that, you know, that you didn't, you know, you didn't have a rich upbringing, you didn't go through, you know, the stereotypical norm, you had to go through some hard yucca, which what we call over here is just some hard work and um, to get you to where you are today. Yeah, no problem at all, Dom, happy to share, you know, so I wasn't someone who grew up poor or anything like that. I have a great family, in fact, normal suburban household is where I grew up. And uh, coming out of high school, of course, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I'm a computer guy, right? I'm a CTO. And I got into, I've been in computer programming since I was about 16 years old, give or take. And getting out of high school and saying, what do I want to do? Well, I didn't do well in high school. In fact, I barely graduated high school because I didn't care about it. Okay. I would just focus on what I wanted to learn and what I wanted to do. And if somebody would try and teach me something, I didn't care about it. My brain literally couldn't even focus on it. And so maybe that's an ADHD thing. Maybe that's just who I am. And that's the reason why I've been able to kind of learn and do what I'm doing. But my whole point is coming out of high school, I didn't really felt like I fit in, like I should be someone who would go to a college and graduate from that. In fact, I tried college a couple of times and it was terrible for me. The last I joked about this earlier on the Twitter spaces is today is in fact, I don't want to sit in an art history class for two hours and learn about something I literally care nothing about. I want to learn about something that's interesting that will actually add value to me. And at the time, I didn't really understand that as someone who was about 18, 19 years old. And I ended up taking a job on third shift in the printing industry because my dad told me, hey, if you're not going to go to college, then you're going to learn a trade, which was very, very valuable advice for me as, as well. And so I started off in the printing trade on third shift. I was what they call floor help and 19 years old. I swept the floor on third shift and eventually I worked my way up to the printing press itself and learned how to run the press. And I actually did that for about seven years on third shift, which is night shift for those who aren't familiar, 1130 in the morning at night to 730 in the morning. And then I went and got my first day shift job. And that job was also on a press. And I have an auto-inflammatory disease called ankylosing spondylitis, which means the bones in my spine and everything else are starting to kind of fuse together. And at that time, I was in sort of my uh, late 20s. Uh, 25 to 27 years old, I think, if I remember correctly. 
And I remember I used to work on that press all day, throwing paper, which means just basically stacking up loads of paper, organizing it so it could run through the press correctly. And I would literally go home and I would be in so much pain from that condition that I would crawl to bed. I would wake up the next day and do it all over again because my wife was pregnant with her first child. I had no other choice. I was in excruciating pain. My static nerve was so bad, man. I couldn't even lift my leg. It was so painful. And after doing that day after day, I finally said, I can't do it anymore. I got to get an office job or something. Please, somebody would hire me. And it's very difficult to go from a shop floor to an office job. It's very difficult to get that transition. And so luckily my mentor, um, his name is Jeff, hired me off the machine to be his right-hand man. He was the VP of sales for a big organization, about $30 million printing company. And so as soon as I got that job, he taught me not only how to be a leader, but to be a no-nonsense BS go-getter. Don't make excuses. Tackle the objective. Don't look to the past and talk about all the great things you did this and that. No, look to the next objective that you're going to tackle and do that relentlessly. And along the way, be somebody who doesn't say can't. Never say the word can't. In fact, he was a Mexican guy. And he goes, I'm a Mexican, not a Mexican. <laughs> I used to joke, laugh about that. But that taught me a lot about how I perceive um, not only how teams should run, but how people should organize themselves as a professional. And when I see somebody who's operating in that manner, the same manner I just described, where somebody gives you a job or says, hey, can you do this? You don't say, I don't know how. You say, I may not know how now, but I will figure that out and I'll get the job done. And you would come back and I would deliver that. And as I kept doing that, more and more people would respect and appreciate that because other people, and these people were people much older than me that had been in the industry for years, years, because they didn't take that path and didn't try that, they didn't learn. And I was the one that did try that. I wasn't afraid to make a mistake. And if I made a mistake, I didn't make it again. And as I kept doing that, I took on more and more and more challenges. And I learned throughout every single level of my career. And if I do doc someday, people will see that, yes, I've had a lot of different jobs in really high-level positions at companies. And all of that relates back to being a little bit fearless, a little bit rebellious in saying that I am a different person. I'm going to do things a little bit differently. And that's what kind of led me towards MicroPets, I guess you could say. It does take that initiative to say, can you, you know, could say, all right, it's a very unknown situation. You're going to create something. And hopefully people like it and you're going to spend months developing it and you're going to launch this thing. That takes gusto. That takes a little bit of courage, actually a lot of courage. And so that's what I personally view as the core tenets of, of um, you know, myself as a professional and how I've grown over the years have been just tackling different opportunities and never being afraid to tackle something like that. Um, and what, at one point in my career, it was actually quite funny. I was a uh, a lean manufacturing consultant. And what I would do is I would fly out to these companies and I would teach them how to save money in their operations. I'll never forget my first day on the job, the guy that had hired me to work at his client, I flew into Alabama and he flew in from Philadelphia to Alabama. And it's day one on the client, my first day on the job. And he goes through the presentation. He's teaching this team all about continuous improvement. And I had studied that whole presentation. I knew it. I memorized the whole thing. And at the end, he tells me, you know what, Tony, I'm flying home tomorrow. I feel confident in you being able to do this thing. And so I tell that story, Dom, is because that's how I view myself as being prepared, being educated, doing things the right way. And not everything I do is perfect, but that's my intentions. And that's because that's the way I was kind of mentored throughout the years. And so you see a lot of that in 
kind of what I do in micro pets where, you know, I do tend to have things pretty well thought through and how I'm presenting them. I do have a strategy and I always have that work ethic about me where I'm continuously learning and expanding and adapting. And the other part I really want to highlight is I'm always available as well in case people have questions, which I also view as very important, both from a leadership standpoint and a project management standpoint is people should feel the need to reach out to the owner and be able to ask a question, whether it's a concern or whether it's an idea. I take that very seriously and I respond like every time and people are blown away. So I know I kind of went a little bit off all over the place a little bit. But that's sort of my background. That's how I kind of perceive um, my past career and my future vision for the project is also all about that transparency and openness. And although I'm not doxxed right now, um, who knows what the future brings, right? And I hope that just through the actions that we've shown as a project, people do have that level of confidence in myself as somebody who can run this project very effectively. Thanks that, mate. Great insights. Um, don't stress you. I told you to tell your story. You bounced around, but I've got a whole heap of notes there and questions. And I think, um, and you're 100% right, the fact that you're always available is just absolutely astronomical, the, the ability, because you manage so many people, the organisations, so getting so vast, you know, uh, the Discord members got 20,000 followers, you got 20, 20 plus, almost 30,000 followers on Twitter. You're doing constant calls and constant voice chats and, you know, all these different things, plus, you know, family man. Um, yeah, crazy. And we're going to have a little bit more of a dig into that to a certain extent. But let's take us back to what you mentioned there about how you're going through school, um, you know, had no real care for it. But I guess what you what I really took from what you just said was how you just had this constant like work ethic and knew you had to work hard and, and you sought out a mentor. So my, I guess a two part question. What made you firstly seek out a mentor? How did you know to do that? Because a lot of people don't, especially at that younger age. And two, how did you have that? already instilled work ethic or that you know ability to just take on all the hard tasks because i feel like you know especially the younger generation today at that same age just don't have that same kind of work ethic how would you say someone listening now could also develop that or work on that yeah from a mentorship standpoint i actually got quite lucky i wasn't looking for a mentor i thought i was taking a job you know an office job and when i got in there it ended up being the guy that i worked for um, like I said, he is my mentor. He is a super great guy. His name is Jeff, the VP of that company. It just happened. I took a job. I worked for a great person. And I think that if you're someone who's young and you're looking for a job, who you work for is extremely important. In fact, it literally shifted my perspective dramatically because I used to make excuses for stuff when I first started working for him. Oh, I can't get this. I can't do that. No, no, I don't want to hear an excuse. Right. So you can see what I mean, Diamond. It wasn't done in a bad way. It was done in a right way. Or I would make a mistake and he would say, you know, what, Tony, that's OK. Just don't do it again. I'll cover for you. And he would take care of it. Right. If I screwed up a job or if I cost the company money, he would throw money onto another job to make up for it. And along the way, that freed me because I wasn't afraid to make a mistake. And so when I go back to the mentorship, I wasn't looking for it. It was something that kind of landed in front of me. OK. And so when I saw that, I then appreciated that. I recognized that. So I could have been the, and there was many people who worked with the same guy, okay? But they didn't have the same relationship or appreciation. In fact, a lot of them despised him because of how he operates. I appreciated that because I sucked up all that knowledge from him and he challenged me every day 
to be the best I could be. There was one job I worked on for him where I literally worked 20 hours a day, seven days a week to get this job done. 140-hour work week. And I haven't met anybody who's beaten that. Would I have done that? Why did I do that for that guy? Because I respected and I appreciated his advice that much. And so for those of you listening, don't just look for the job. If, you, if you're a young person, look for somebody that you can actually learn from, somebody who will challenge you, somebody who will make you think differently. And this is somebody who was also in his 40s. He was uh, 50s at the time too. So he had also been through the real world, uh, let's say real world stuff that you can actually pull and learn from. And that's basically, in my opinion, was really important to me as a, as a professional is he really showed me the right way. Do I take everything from him? No, there's things that he was no good at. Organization and communicating with the different team members, that's things he wasn't great at. And I filled those gaps really, really good. And he called me a sweeper, said he left a bunch of pieces behind him. I cleaned all those up. I organized it all and I got everything done. And that's why we had a great relationship and I was able to learn from him. So those of you that are listening, if you're able to find a mentor or if you're able to actually think about who you're working for, maybe that's somebody right now. I encourage you to get close to that person, look at how they're operating, ask them questions, and you'd be surprised. They're willing to teach you if you just ask them. Now, your other question was in regards to work ethic. Growing up, if I wanted a new Nintendo, my parents would tell me, you already have a Nintendo, Tony. Go out and work for it. I didn't get my first car given to me. I worked for my first car, okay? I actually had a job when I was 13 years old. I used to wash dishes. Even at the Friday fish fry sucked, you know, having to wash all that juice off the, <laughs> off the plate. So that's where I kind of was raised is it wasn't a hard upbringing, but it was an upbringing in such a way where my parents told me, no, I'm not buying that for you. You have to go out and work for that. There was no uh, free pass in those regards. They never made me pay rent or anything like that, but they always made me buy my own stuff. And so I can say that though, when I got onto the printing press and I carried that forward, my work ethic wasn't the greatest at that early stage of my career. I don't view myself as somebody who was a hustler at that time. I wasn't. I was somebody who would work third shift. I would go home. I would play video games with my friends afterwards. And I would just relax, hang out. And I wasn't doing much of value. And it wasn't until a point in time where I got that mentorship and I came off the machine that I recognized that I'm a different type of breed of person. I just hadn't found my place that I fit in. That's what I've been looking for all those years. And so I, I said, all right, I have a decision I can make. I can either you know, work with this crazy guy who's going to push me to my limits, or I could go back to the machine. I couldn't do that because my back was all messed up. And so as I began to work hard with him and learn from him, he would be there all hours of the night. And I would be there all hours of the night. And as I did that, I said, you know what? This guy's showing me a path here to success. This guy had a car out in the parking lot that was $120,000. You know, it was a very successful guy. So I said, I can work hard with this guy and learn from this guy. And that's exactly what I did. And that's how I got that work ethic is I, I just saw so much value in that. I saw myself transforming. And I said, I like this a lot. My wife had had our child at that point in time. And I just kept carrying it forward. And I honestly, if I think back, I cannot think of one day where I haven't done some kind of work, whether it's learning something, reading a book or so on and so forth because I find so much value in that. And as I grasp onto that, that's what I continue for each and every day. Just like MicroPets, I said this earlier, and it's true. I have not had one day off in five months, and my average workday is probably 12 to 14 hours. 
And I continue that forward because I'm passionate about the project. I know it's my responsibility to the investors and I'm learning each and every day. And that's what drives me. I'm a learning addict. I'm a knowledge addict. That's all that drives me. And it's not money. If it was money, then I would have the Lambo outside and this and that. My car is from 2013. Like I said earlier on that call as well. I don't have a shiny new car out there, even though MicroPets hit over $200 million. I don't. I care nothing about that. All I want to do is learn and challenge myself to be better each and every day. And this is a project that enables me to do that. And that's why I love it so much is it's always a nonstop challenge. I'm the guy that runs right into the fire while everyone else is running out because I know that as I come out of that, I'll be a better person as a result. So Don, that's, that's kind of my mentorship. That's also my work ethic all kind of wrapped in why I value those things. Yeah, no, you're right about it, running into the fire. I tell you, you speak so well, Tony, that it makes all of us want to run into the fire with you. <laughs> it's pretty crazy the way you speak. You really do. <laughs> um, but uh, look, I, I really enjoy what you said there about how, you know, you mentioned to look for someone. Because a lot of people just work a job, work a nine to five, and they just have a boss who they just sort of they have their requirements. But that particular boss, you know, really isn't challenging them or someone that you should be learning from. So I think that if you're in a, a normal job and, you know, you're not really being mentored or, or tutored or taught from your boss, you need to seek some maternal, uh, external other individual leaders that maybe it might be some higher ups if you do really love your industry and you love the field that you're in go speak to the boss's boss the boss's boss and find out okay how do they operate ask them the way that they operate on a daily basis what are some things that have got them into their position start asking questions if that's the field you're passionate about if it's not and it's something else you want to do completely different you know i like myself with the crypto side of things and i started asking tony i even literally asked him that exact question tony mate this is my position this is where i'm in would you be interested in possibly helping me out doing some kind of mentorship just some advice on you know my life and navigating my way through this mess because i see yourself as someone who's in a high, high regard and someone in a position where I'd like to see myself be and learn from. So, you know, and he's been amazing enough to do that, but I've had to ask that question. So guys, you really need to understand, and that goes across all personal development fields. It's all well and good if you're taking on the information, you're listening to the podcast, you're reading the books, but the real personal development is your ability to actually act upon the information that you are receiving and to be able to achieve a worthwhile predetermined goal that stands between what it is that you desire and then your actual action, to, you know, act upon it. So, you know, go out there and ask someone. If there's someone in your field that you want to be able to be a part of, ask the question, start volunteering, start you know, learning things, read copy, get books on those things, but also like physically be there and have those communications. So, man, I just think I really liked how you said the parents there, and that's a shout out to all parents to understand, you know, install that same work ethic. I know I had that too. My parents had a very... Um, similar conversation with me if I ever wanted anything I need to go out and get there and work you mentioned about the fish thing I worked at a fish and chip shop as my first job um, and uh, you had I'd be mowing the lawns on the weekends working the fish and chip shop I'd had three or four jobs very early on when I was like in my early early teens and installed that work ethic and I know for a fact mate the hours that you put into this particular project and it inspires me actually because sometimes I can get quite complacent and my work ethic can be like you get to a form of of, of comfortableness and it's something that uh, definitely kills a lot of people because they get to a certain wealth or a certain area of their life where they get comfortable and then they hit a huge plateau and I guess that's one thing mate for you what continues you to strive like to keep pushing and you know like is there a point where it's like is there a happy medium where you can just take the foot off the gas obviously not right now but is there a like perceived 
area where you're going to when you move forward with the project or just in life in general? You know what? It's a very weird thing for me in that uh, how I kind of operate and how my mind works is let's say right now I was hired by a company. I wouldn't even be able to do that job. I would be so focused on micro pets that it, that thing wouldn't even register on my radar and it would annoy me to no end. That's how focused I am. And so that, in my opinion, is kind of like what drives me is I'm so focused and relentless in that I love this project. And I've done that throughout my career. I find something and I hone in on it like a laser beam. And that becomes almost like an obsession for me. And that's how I operate. And some people uh, don't understand that. Like my wife doesn't understand that and how I work that way. Because I will change jobs and stuff. Because I'll be like, all right, like we talked about learning, Dom, like what would happen to me in my career a lot is I would learn a lot. I'm a very, very fast learner. So I would learn, even though I didn't do great in high school, that's just because I hated all the crap that they were teaching me. I could learn, teach myself something really fast. And so that being said, I would get these jobs and I would learn the whole thing real fast. And then I would just get really bored. I'd say, I'm not even thinking about this thing anymore. Get rid of it. And I would go on to the next job and try and learn. And that's kind of what I did in my career. Um, but that's, that's basically how my mind is operating is I'm like a laser beam. I'm that focused on this task at hand. And that's what drives me each and every day. That's why I don't really take a day off. If I try to walk away from the computer for a little bit, even that is very challenging for me. It's almost like I'm addicted to work, which is a weird thing to say when I say it out loud, but it's true. I'm addicted to it and I love it. I love this project and I love what I'm doing each and every day. And at that point in time, it doesn't really feel as much like work, right? But that's what drives me. And that's my work ethic in a nutshell is almost like an obsession. Because like I said, my life was in one situation. And when I started working really hard and looking at the results, it changed into a very, very good professional career from somebody that didn't go to college, didn't do well in high school. And people, and actually I was in the dumb person math class, believe it or not. I was in, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't even know what to call it, man. I, I was in the lower tier of almost every class in my high school. And people who hear me now talking, right, and who know sort of my technical expertise and when I'm capable of it, literally every sub, a lot of different subjects, I studied them. I've actually practiced and executed them in my career. Say so you don't seem like somebody who would be in a situation. I didn't care about it. And that brings me back to something else, Tom, is I'm very, very prioritized and focused. Anything that hits in front of my viewpoint that isn't going to get me to my goal, I get rid of it. I deflect it. And that is also why, you know, if you look at the team that we've been able to build with the project is to bring on the right people is when I find people that I can engage with like that and I can recognize a hustler real quick. And when I hone in on that, that's why you and I had a conversation recently, you know, about you helping us on the social side is because of that. I'm good at identifying those people. And that's why I really love what I'm doing here is not just the work ethic and things like that, but it's also the relationships and the people that we can build and bring out of the team. And that's what drives me as well is I'm working with other hustlers. Okay. Um, like you met Superman, Mike, Anthony, Diamond Handed, who's also a core member of the team now as well. Um, and yourself who's coming on board. If you look at what I'm doing is I'm bringing out hustlers because hustlers drive me as well. Is if I start slacking, and I see that just like yourself uh, as a trainer, you know, you see the guy next to you start slacking up. No, no, I got to push forward, right? This guy's working hard. I got to work right next to him. It's the same exact mentality for me 
is I work with a team of hustlers that will drive me relentlessly. And my job then is to work all of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not doing out of, out of arrogance. I just view that as that's my challenge to myself that I have to work even harder now because I have these hustlers around me. They're going to push me even harder. It's a very weird mental thing for a lot of people. They don't understand it. My wife doesn't understand it, but it, that's how my mind works. And that's what drives me. Yeah, I've uh, been in a relationship now for um, about four, four to five months and um, she, she's not really in the entrepreneurial space. She just works a normal job and I love it a bit and that, that's that's her passion. But she also doesn't understand that work ethic, like especially um, having that normal you know, nine to five, whereas with everything that I do, with the trading, the personal training, like my job is almost 24-7. So a bit like yourself, mate, constantly hustling, constantly doing different things, always operating, always on the computer. And, and you know, there's times where I have need to learn how to step away. I know we've had these discussions and it's something that I think I'd like to be able to work with you with later down the track when the time is right but having that a little bit of balance because you know you can get so crazy but it's a bit different in your current because you're in the work mode your season currently is work but you do need to go through those seasons of life and i have spoken done many of podcast episodes of how to find that balance i think for me personally as well having uh, that partner come into my life now she's helped just ground me a little bit and spending a little bit of time just to get back to, you know, nature, get back out, you know, meditation, literally going out to climbing mountains, looking at waterfalls, you know, getting in that sort of space. Because for me, I know I need those moments because I can burn out. I think Tony, that'd be actually something I'd like to ask you is, is how do you not burn out? Or is it just because you're so passionate about this job and the, the pets, it's not a job for you, but just so passionate about it. And it isn't like you're working a job that that keeps you recharged constantly, but how do you have moments to recharge? You know, I'm, an, I'm a very, very introverted guy. So for me to recharge is just basically on my computer, music playing, and maybe I'm browsing a website or something. That's like, in my opinion, that's how I recharge. Now, in regards to balance, though, that's something I'm not great at yet. That's something I am getting better at. I'm actually prioritizing that. Like now on my calendar, I'll block out a couple hours a day for my kids, right? That way I have three young children. So I make sure that I'm actually engaging with them as family. I go upstairs with my wife, maybe around 10, 11 o'clock or, or so at night, watch a show or what have you, you know, so I get that family time in every day. Um, but here's how I don't burn out, at least in my opinion, is like I said, it's a drive. I have a goal for myself that I set and I don't give up until the goal is met. And then as I start meeting that goal, the next one pops in my head. And that's what kind of drives me is the goal never, the goalpost never ends. And people are amazed when I say, you know, even people who have come into the project, right? If you're working alongside someone like myself, I don't say this out of arrogance at all, please. I just say, if you're working alongside someone like myself who has that work ethic and that re relentless focus and doesn't want to give up ever and keeps going and going and going, it literally can drive people insane and burn all of them out. So I have to be cognizant of that too, as a leader, making sure I don't do that to the team members. Cause I, I have been guilty of that. Definitely in my professional careers. I think every, I used to think everybody should be working like I am and doesn't work for everybody. Each person has their own way of working. Right. So although I'm not somebody who burns out, I can say I've probably been working this way for um, over 10 years, probably at this point with not a day off. If I had a Saturday, Sunday, books, courses online, everything I can do to enrich my mind. Never a day off. 
um, except maybe an occasional Christmas or something. But even that day, I would probably still find something to do to make myself better. Um, and that doesn't align with everybody. But what I encourage the listeners to do is to look at what does work for you. You know, if you need to take a break, then you take a break and you recharge. Um, there are times for me where I go on a vacation with my family. Like you mentioned, Dom and the waterfalls and stuff. I do enjoy that in the summer and I will do that in the summer with my family. But even when I take a vacation, I'm still working, which is, I just can't give it up. And that's why I don't burn out is it's almost like an addiction. Now, is that an addiction you want to break? Maybe. Is it something that needs more balance? Definitely, it does. And I'm working on trying to break that a little bit because I do believe that the balance, if I can achieve it, that is one of my goals. If I can achieve that balance, that will make me an even more well-rounded professional. And I think that will make me an even better professional as well if I can capture that balance. So that's what I'm kind of chasing now. And even talk to you. I said, hey, I'm willing to mentor you on this other stuff, but you, to me, if you could help me find some balance in my life, because that's what you seem to have and all these different things you're kind of working on. So, you know, hopefully that was a good answer to your question. Yes, man, it was, that was a good answer. And yeah, we've, we'll have some discussions. I, you just reminded me about, about that to, uh, to have a bit more of a chat to you about that. I just don't know when the right time to talk to you about that is because you've got so many different things going on, but we'll, we'll definitely, I'll provide some things because I've done many episodes on um, what I call the four key pillars of life. And essentially, um, the reason why I'm being four is because obviously there's four tables on four legs on a table. So have that complete balance and, you know, it's health, wealth, love, and fulfillment and making sure that you spend a bit of time every single day in those. And I think the fact that you are scheduling in a bit of time like that um, is important. You know, when you are in, in a position like yourself, your scheduling does become a thing. And that's something that we, when we talk about um, how you operate and your operation side of things would be really interesting, but yeah, I think it gets to a point where when you do cog, you know, have some conscious awareness of spending a bit of time and it becomes a bit natural as opposed to second as the having to actually schedule it in. I think that can become from a, a different standpoint where those people around you who do desire you to be around, just you be around more and have more time with you and to, to be like that, they almost don't want to be feeling like it's just a scheduled thing, if you know what I mean. But that's something as well we can talk about. Um where it just becomes second nature and not having that feeling like you, you're having to be scheduled in. But saying that, mate, you've been programmed this way for a very long time and it's definitely you know, working and you've got a lot of, it's a different field when you're running a project and you've got people that, uh, you know, investors into a project. I think if people were investing heavily into something that I did, which I know I'm going to be rolling out a program soon. I think I'd be on the same kind of wavelength with yourself. So I guess, yeah, we'll have a bit more of a discussion about that. But I, you mentioned a bit on, on favorite book. I just got a few rapid fire questions, mate, which um, I think would be really cool just for some people, for people to listen to. But what is your favorite book and why? <clears throat> oh, that's a very interesting question. Man, I'd have to think about that for a second. My favorite book... I would say Out of the Crisis by Dr. W. Edwards Deming, okay, because that is one of the first books that I read that opened my eyes up to all the problems that exist within an organization at an operational level, okay? So when I mentioned that, uh, like when, I, when you talk about how I operate, that's why, is all those things that I kind of learned a lot, not just from real world experience, but from books like that. Out of the Crisis by Dr. W. Edwards Deming. I am a big reader. I have a lot of books, and that is among my favorites as well. 
Awesome. We've noted that one down to uh, definitely look into that one for sure. Um, Very okay. long. It's a long one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Careful what you're getting into, sir. All right. I might have to uh, put that on the back burner for, for a little bit because <laughs> I've got a lot of books that you've already pre-prescribed for me, which I'm uh, making my way through. Uh, the next little rapid fire question is who inspires you the most in your life or who has? Um, I would say it's my dad. He didn't come from the greatest upbringing. He was born in, um, and raised in a very, very rough neighborhood. And uh, he came out of that, got into printing, and he threw his whole career up into the uh, vice president level at some big corporations. So he's um, been a big mentor for me as well that I definitely have to bring up. Uh, but I haven't talked about it um, as much. But yeah, definitely my dad. We can uh, touch a little bit more on that. Um, what what was the one significant lesson? Because I don't like to use the word failure, but what was the one significant lesson that you had to learn in your life that's helped you become the person you are today? Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Because when you're not afraid to make a mistake, it frees you. You have no barriers. If you F up, okay, great. I'll figure out how to fix that. Just don't make it twice. That, in my opinion, is the most freeing thing you can possibly have. And that's what inspires me to take on these different challenges too, Dom, is I'm not afraid to make a mistake. And when you have that, then you move forward, right? You, you have confidence in what you can achieve and you move forward. And if you F up, which you will, you will F up big time in a lot of cases, but you have the confidence that you believe in yourself that you can fix it. And as you do that more and more, it definitely frees you up big time and enables you to grow really fast. The important thing is making sure that the people around you are also on that same wavelength where if they make a mistake, then you don't nail on them. You tell them, hey, this is what happened that was wrong. Here's what we can do next time to address it. And then that person learns. So you know, that, in my opinion, is a major one for me. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And it shows in everything that you've done so far. Um, the next one, rapid fire one, mate, would be if you could tell your younger self, whatever age, say your 15-year-old self, your 14-year-old self, if you could tell them one thing, um, what would that one thing be? I would say study personal finances even earlier in your life. Like when you're like if I was in, like when I was in my early twenties, although I worked that job on third shift, I had over $20,000 in the bank. I had a brand new car. You know, I, 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 uh, you know, would have taught my former self that in that scenario is start saving right now for your future self in retirement. Because if you look at what that would have done for someone like myself, I'll be 40 next week. Okay. That would have been a lot of years in the stock market and Crypto side, look at all the investments I put, could have put that money into, could have bought Bitcoin, for example, right? Could have, should have, would have. But those types of things are what I would tell my younger self is make sure that you pay the older version of yourself. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely relate to that as well. Um, I don't think finance was brought enough into my life at all. Actually, the, a lot of limiting beliefs around um, finance in terms of stories that, were told to me as a kid, you know, money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, just those like stereotypical sayings that were said a lot to my, to, to me as a kid. So therefore installed that into my life at a later age. And I just wish I could have unconditioned that personally from myself 
But um, my last sort of little rapid fire question is, and it, can't, it might go a little bit into some of the answers you've already answered, but what is your favorite quote and why? Okay, I'm gonna give you another quote here. I have several. A bad system will be the good person every time. W. Edwards Deming, again, sir. <laughs> a fool with a plan can beat a genius without a plan. That's Evelyn Pickens. That's another really good one. And so you can tell I'm an operations guy, right? I love those types of quotes, right? Quotes that revolve around um, just seeing the world a little bit differently. Because if you think about what that means is a bad system will be a good person every time. That means you get up the greatest employee, you bring them into a bad environment, set that person up for failure. Okay, so that is uh, one of the most important that I view. And that's why we really try to nail our systems down at MicroPets as well. And we've got even better at that over time when you go when you go from you know $550,000 market cap to $207 million market cap in three weeks, that's insane. And any business that scales that fast has its pains and growing pains. So now that's been really important to us has been building more of those systems in, which we're getting really good at. Yeah, no, you definitely are. And actually, it's good that you mentioned about the operation side of things now because I think that just... Uh goes well into the next part and and because we are getting towards the end of time but you know let's let's run it through a little bit of the operation side of things you know we you just did a, um, a twitter call this earlier this morning our australian time and uh, for those who haven't make sure you can actually jump on go and follow micro pets um, on their twitter account because they just the, the amount of value and this is what i've actually really loved there's been a huge shift in the 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 side of the message you're putting forward in the project obviously initially it was just all about you know the the pets, the utility side of things, essentially. But what I've noticed is with the people you've brought on, um, the, you know, for example, Anthony, the new finance guy, um, and, you know, other individuals, even like Malik, you had for a while, but you're starting to bring in personal development style calls, you know, working on mindset and working on the investor themselves um, to become a better individual and a better investor and really thriving on that. What oh, you already have such an amazing commu uh, uh, community base focus so yeah do you want to just touch a little bit on um you know the operation side of things how the project seems to be shifting forward because and how you best navigate that on a daily basis yeah no problem so from like from an operation standpoint obviously it's all about bringing in the right people okay because if you don't have the right people in the right seats you're going to have a bit of a disaster you know you put me in like a designer role no good no good at all you know, so that's starting point is making sure you have people in the right spots. And that's what I think we've been able to do at MicroPets is just attract the talent and let them kind of shine as well. Um, the main thing I would say is how we do that really effectively is obviously I'm a high level guy. Um, and I see another high level guy. A lot of people would say, wow, that person might outshine me. Here's what I say. I say, great. You're a great guy. Come on, let's work together. You know what I mean? I don't care if you're better at me at this, that, the other thing. As long as we can work together and you can add a lot of value to the project, then I want to work with you. I don't care if you end up outshining me at all. I have zero ego on that. I just want to work with the best people possible that I can learn from and they can learn from me. So that is step number one in how we operate is getting the right people in the right seats. And you'll see some really cool stuff coming out as well in those regards. Okay. So now that that's kind of identified operationally, um, we also looked at what are the Thing. We also have an executive team at MicroPets, and we meet every Saturday. We do the financials. We look at the major opportunities within the company, we call it. And then we identify the teams of people who are going to do those jobs. We actually 
have all of our roles defined with the direct reports and everything else. And we're bringing in more and more of that structure over time as well. So it transforms more from like a project to a real company. Um, and that's enabled us to operate much more effectively. In addition, uh, just like yesterday, I did uh, a meeting with the team members is, and this was going on for, for a while, right? They're trying to get organized, get all the stuff together. I said, guys, stop right now. Brought them all into a chat and I directed them exactly on how to operate. And I set the example myself in how meetings should be ran, how projects need to be kicked off, how expectations need to be set, how objectives outlined, how deliverables outlined, the results of those deliverables outlined. Okay, so I did all of that as setting a good example for the team. And I told them what I want to see. And I told them what I don't want to see. And I saw somebody come back with something I don't want to see right away, corrected it. Right. And I have no problem doing that. I think that's also an important part of how we operate is to be able to have that, uh, let's say, get out of your comfort zone and tell someone, hey, don't do that anymore. That's not that's actually messing this thing up. It's not adding value. Here's why. You know, that's been another important thing is distilling those reasons why down to people as well, so that as they're doing their job, they kind of learn a little bit on their own, where if I just tell somebody to do something, okay, great. Well, if I don't tell them why, then they don't really learn that much. And that's been another important thing for me is when I communicate something, and you hear this also in how I talk and how I, uh, how I actually, if I'm selling something, I always will lead with the reason why as well in there at some point. It's because that's important to people to understand the purpose behind what they're doing, something, why they're doing something. So the operations then can run much better if people understand exactly what the end goal is and why it's a valuable goal and why that's valuable to them and why things have to be done at certain points in time. So if you don't have a plan, you don't have a schedule, you have none of that, your operation is going to run like complete crap. It's just not going to run well. And so that's been, I think, a big part of uh, uh let's say the growth of MicroPets is bringing more and more and more of that operational sense to the project. And that's going to let us run even more. Like what you see right now, it's going to get even better, Dom, which I'm super excited about with the team, with people we have and the teams that we're putting together and how we're organizing everybody, it's going to get even better. And that's what I really love about what I'm doing each and every day at the operational level. That's how we function. Keep getting better each and every day. It always, 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 Never be afraid to bring a problem up. Something that sucks, tell it. Tell me it sucks. Okay, and that's why when you and I had that conversation the other day, I told you saw right away how my mind works. Right, I told you exactly what I want to see and why. Right, and so now you, as somebody coming in, understands exactly the purpose behind not only why I want you to come on the team, but also what I'm expecting as well. And I view that as very important for operations. It lets people function much more efficiently. Nobody's wondering, why am I here? What do they expect of me? What's my job? What am I to do? What's the next thing I should be accomplishing? None of that. So hopefully that gave you some more insights. Yeah, it definitely does. Because I, I feel like a lot of people you know, that listen to these, this podcast in particular tend to be, they're either you know, working your nine to five or they're just starting to branch in opening their own business they might have like a clothing company or some kind of side hustle and they're at that sort of position so i feel like a lot of people that start to develop that side hustle they may have now gone full-time into that side hustle the next you know obviously uh, element of growth is to then stop working 
in the business, getting someone in to hiring your weaknesses. Now, I know it's a very like difficult, especially if you're relatively new to some kind of business and the capital isn't as high. But even if you're able to seek and ask and, and team up with someone who, you know, might be strong in, in the digital side of things or marketing or, you know, social media, et cetera, things are your weakness, as what you mentioned, like you guys are straight out hiring. But it's not just anyone. You're obviously making sure that they're a valued member, they're an investor in the community. Can we hire within? That's awesome. It just makes sense because they're going to be valued of their own because they're an investment, plus they love the project. But I think if anyone's listening to this now and be able to take what Tony's saying and apply it to their own life is, you know, speak to those people. We might know someone who's a photographer who can do some image shots and you can do a little bit of a deal where you might be able to give them a, a bit of apparel for free or and they can do some shoots. But just try to think of people out there. And also there is way, there are some really cool apps where there is some people you can get um, in and help for, for really quite cheap. So I'm noticing that now starting to happen through um, with what MicroPets are doing, how you're bringing on some amazing people that's awesome for yourself as well, Tony, because you're taking the load off yourself. You're not having to do as much of certain things. So therefore you can thrive in what area you need to do. So mate, that's really, really cool. Um, so what we've got time-wise. So I guess, you know, I think because we are heading sort of into the last five minutes, we were, it's been an amazing chat so far. I could talk so much more. You know, actually I will make it a two-parter question. The first one is because I think I find this very interesting and a lot of people in the personal development realm always like to know about, um, your like a morning routine. What is a morning routine? Now I know I've asked you this question before and I found it very interesting. I think it'd be really cool because it really goes not so much against, but it's just a different alternative to what most people do. But do you want to run us through what your day would look like, your daily routine for what it is that you have and how you operate that day? Yeah, I'd love to. I get asked that uh, uh, quite actually quite often because people are like, wow, you get a lot of stuff done. And uh, they must think I have this crazy morning routine where I wake up, I do yoga, all this stuff. No, I don't. Here's what I do. I set my alarm for seven o'clock in the morning. It goes off a little bit. I'll hit the snooze a few times. I get up, I go to my computer, I will immediately go through my calendar. And I immediately set all the alarms on my phone so that any meetings I have, it's set for five minutes before that point. So I'm never late anywhere. I'm always on time. Right. And then after I get all that lined out, so now that I have my phones all set up, it's right next to me. It's going to go off. I'm never going to be late to a meeting now. I will respect everybody's time. I'll never be late. Then I go to my Todoist application. I use that. I'm, the, I'm in the top 1% of Todoist users from what they told me. I don't even know how many thousands of tasks I completed last year. They sent me this whole thing on it that said I was in the top 1%. So I go on my Todoist, and that's how I manage a lot of my day to day tasks, is I'll have a big list of that stuff in there, right? And now you notice I have a workout routine, so on and so forth. I do want to be better about that. But I do go through that to-doist application first thing in the morning. And that lets me kind of get a prioritized plan in my mind as I understand my gaps of what I can work on stuff. Now that I've gone through my phone with my calendar, I understand the gaps I have within that to kind of take care of tasks within and outside of those meetings. What I'm also doing there is I'm also making sure that I'm prepared in advance for those tasks. I'm not getting into it and saying, okay, I got unanswered questions or this or that. If I find myself in that scenario, I'll push that task off and I'll make sure I have absolute clarity on everything that I have to do. Okay. And as I'm working on these tasks throughout the day, my mind is also running and I'm thinking through the next thing that I have to do. So as soon as that task is wrapped up, I'm out of the next thing and I tackle it. I check all those things off on Todoist. And my ideal goal at the end of the day would be to have zero tasks available on Todoist. So that's my personal goal as I close up my computer. My inbox is zero. My to-do list is zero. 
And that's exactly how I manage my whole day. And I will actually protect my time very closely as well is people will constantly try and get in my calendar and this, that, no. I say no to a lot of stuff. I, and that is another thing that I found is uh, early on in my career I was too nice of a guy. Someone wants to meet with me. Okay, I'll meet with you. Why? Why am I meeting with you? Why can't you just type something up and send it to me so I can read it? Why can't you take the effort and make a presentation so that I can read that instead of sitting in this meeting for five hours listening to you present? You know what I mean, so that's how I look at that is over time, I manage my time and I protect it very, very closely. And that's what enables me to get a lot of stuff done as well is that protection. And I find all too often the nice guys like myself earlier, just get the whole calendars eaten up by things other people want to do. And then I would be working late into the night doing the stuff I would have to do. And so now I said no more. This was a while ago. And now I protect that time really close. Yeah, time. It's the only commodity that, you know, we can't get back. Um, and I know for everything you just said then, I was, <laughs> I'm in that transition period now. I guess since this year, that was a big conscious effort for myself is to make sure I am not just saying yes to everyone because I am a people pleaser, constantly giving a lot of time to people. And because obviously a lot of things that I do have a lot of touch points, which we've already spoken about previously offline, but, um, and it requires me to be there, a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff. So having to fix that, you know, rearrange my systems and operations, which you've been amazing for, and, um, you know, making sure that I do say no. It's very difficult, but that's a you know, massive form of growth for me was to be able to say no. And yeah, have people, you know, essentially it's it sounds a bit rude but prove why we should be having this conversation right now as in put some things forward you know show me some things show me some um work that you've done in preparation to be able for before us so then i know i can put invest my time into you like with the conversations that we have you sent me some tasks of things to do i go out and do them i then bring it back to you and then we have a discussion and we, we we go back and forth which you know that's really important guys if you are one seeking a mentor it's all well and good asking but you also need to make sure you're doing this kind of work as well and putting forward and putting and doing the things that they say and going out there and seeking the information that you need to seek and um yeah being conscious though as you start to shift up you know levels of leadership you need to be very conscious of your time because you'll burn out like i know i have many a times mate so i guess the last thing mate just to wrap up is is there any sort of secret juicy goss anything we can sort of talk about that's in regards to the project itself any upcoming i know that the game is just around the corner but is there anything you can give us a little sneak peek into at all mate well, of course, Tom, anything for you, sir. So yeah, we have our metaverse video, which is done by Engine House. And man, is that insane. It is literally crazy. Superman, aka Mike, did a phenomenal job, phenomenal job with that video. A really, really good job, man. It blew my mind. So we have that that's going to come out. We also have something that we haven't even talked about at all. It's a top secret thing, in fact. Only six people in the organization know about it in fact and they're the upper tier of the organization and have a very very tight-knit team working on this thing and when this launches off pun intended it's going to be incredible for the project it's really really going to be an incredible thing so we have that in addition to the play to earn game with all the reward systems refreshed our development team is hard to work on that and uh, that's just coming up here in the very near future so we have a lot of a lot of really great things to look forward to for the pro at the project level. And one other thing I want to highlight too, Dom, is uh, and this is a mistake as well I made early on in my career as we wrap up, and I encourage the listeners to do the same. Always give credit to people. Like you heard the video, I didn't 
say anything about anything I did for that. I gave credit to Superman, aka Mike, that did the great job on there. So you guys as leaders, you'll find that as you do that, you will be elevated as a leader as well. And people will love and respect that. And they'll, they'll capture that. They'll identify that right away. Somebody who does that, never take credit. Yeah, that's that form of humility um, that, that, yeah, you've displayed on a constant basis, always giving credit to the other people. And, and I know that's something that I've lived by. And I feel like those people that have that kind of standpoint um, connect really well together, which is what you'll find uh, as you move forward and, and start to seek those people. You can, you really do. If you start to really be consciously aware of the kind of personality traits that you hold and that you put forward, right? Now, if you're attracting crap people into your life, that's because of the frequencies and the, the vibrations that you're putting out. Generally, it was going to mean that you're probably a crap person, right? So we need to change those. So once you can identify how you want to be treated, the old school saying of school, treat others how you want to be treated, identify that, put those traits forward, and you will start to see your network change and you'll start to put in alignment. Like I would have never been able to be put in alignment with anyone like the caliber of Tony if I hadn't spent those three to four, five years honing in on myself, my own attributes, my own work ethic, and my own leadership skills. And then now for this is open, this opportunity. So you need to constantly apply your craft and keep working and keep moving forward because you know, you never know what things we be lying around the corner. But mate, Tony, thank you so much. Remember guys on the uh, socials, go follow them on Twitter. That's at MicroPets uh, BSC. Search MicroPets on there. They've also got a Discord group if you haven't got that. Um, also, the Instagram account, which is obviously MicroPets as well. So go through, make sure you go follow all the accounts there because I'm going to be myself personally. Their Instagram handle is MicroPets.BSC. Um, go follow all those accounts. We're going to be doing some really cool things there moving forward in the near future. But again, mate, Tony, thank you so much for your time, buddy. Any last words? Thank you for having me, sir. Always a pleasure. Thank you to the audience for listening to this as well. Great to be here. Thanks, guys. I'll speak to you on the next episode. Bye for now.